0: Good morning Living Hope Church, I am reading from Bangalore. My name is Joshua for those of you who don't know me and I am part of Bridge Church here in Bangalore. Uh, We were supposed to be there in fact uh, this Sunday at Living Hope in Mumbai. My family, uh, my parents are living in Bandra and we would have loved to actually be there in person but I am grateful at least this is possible uh, for us to communicate and talk to you uh, this morning. Uh, Bridge Church, I am part of Bridge Church here in Bangalore and uh, we have a lot of uh, connections with Living Hope. For starters, we are both going through the series of uh, through the book of Acts uh, as a sermon series and just like Vinu said last Sunday, it's really uh, amazing how God led us to this time to this book to help us to navigate during these uncertain times. There's so much of relevance and so much for us to learn uh, in this book as well. And the second thing is we're also grateful uh, to Living Hope Church because we've got some amazing members who are part of Living Hope uh, before. You know, Manish and Richa, Ashok and Anne, and Adele and David uh, who are doing so well here and serving uh, Richards Church in, in so many capacities. So thank you uh, Living Hope and all those people who invested uh, in their lives and groomed them while they were there as well. This morning we continue uh, into the book of Acts. Uh, we're going to see into the next story after what, what you heard last Sunday. Uh, one of the key, key verses in the book of Acts uh, that kind of is almost like a table of contents for the entire book is uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and that tells us how this whole book is going to be shaped uh, and let me read that for you Acts chapter 1 verse 8 which is a familiar verse but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, We're all at this point in our quarantine at home and I'm sure many of us are binging on Netflix series or different TV series. And if you look at the book of Acts like the Netflix series, the entire book, you can actually divide it into three seasons. Uh, Season 1 takes place in Jerusalem. Season 2 is in Judea and Samaria. And season 3 to the ends of the earth. Uh, If you do a recap of season 1, season 1, as as I said, takes place in Jerusalem. It, It talks about how God's mission moves forward in Jerusalem, how the church was birthed. Uh, but then it has a big tragedy at the end. Stephen, the guy who we all loved, who at the face of an angel, we had thought there would be so much potential, he'd be a big player, a big uh, character right through the CD suddenly dies. Uh, and there's a big cliffhanger and an unexpected end to that first season. Uh, the whole church is persecuted and scattered out of Jerusalem. What's happening? And then suddenly season one ends. Uh, we think that's the end. Is the end of the church? What's going to happen? They were, they were, they were doing so well. They were growing, but suddenly, because of persecution and an uncertain and uh, unfamiliar times, they just were moved and scattered out of Jerusalem. But then, season two starts. Season two is where we are right now. In um, it starts with new beginnings in the unfamiliar. And episode one is Philip. Philip in Samaria, uh, who goes and starts sharing the the word of God and the gospel in uh, Samaria. He goes and he, as he's moving forward, he meets an Ethiopian eunuch, uh, and you know, never been done before, uh, all new ground. Uh, and he shares uh, the gospel uh, with 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 the eunuch and uh, baptizes the eunuch, uh, and this has never been done. The new it, season two starts with a bang with new things, and then episode two, what we know it, um, Saul who is the big enemy the antagonist in season one there's a big twist in the in the in the plot and he gets saved and he's converted and the same person who was uh, the villain in in season one is now uh, going to be used by god to be one of the the greatest heroes uh, right through the book of acts how is god going to use him we'll get to know later uh, but then episode three comes back to peter uh, and this is what you would have gone through last sunday Peter himself is going through exciting adventures. He after after following Philip in Samaria, now he is uh, now he goes to Lydda, which is further away uh, uh, from Jerusalem. As you go this further up north, there's Lydda, uh, which is a Jewish town, and there he heals a paralyzed man. Um, and then he is called to Joppa, which is further away from Jerusalem, uh, near the coast, which is again a sort of a Jewish town. And there he he raises a young girl who is dead. Can you imagine that? What is happening in season 2? This is just starting off with an absolute bang. There are things that are happening that we have never ever witnessed before uh, in the book of Acts. And for the reader uh, of the book of Acts, who is Theophilus, who would have obviously even read the book of Luke, he would start to see a pattern. Um, and he would remember remembered Jesus' ministry and Jesus' life. And he would have remembered how Jesus also healed the paralyzed man. How Jesus also raised a little girl from the dead. And in fact, when you look at how Peter did it, he almost does it in the same way as Jesus does, does it when he meets the paralyzed man. He tells him, take up your mat and walk. And that's what happens when he meets the little girl. He sends everyone outside and raises her up from the dead. And you're thinking, you know, Peter is reliving. Peter is doing what his Lord was doing. He's following in his footsteps and doing the very same things. And then we come into Acts chapter 10, which is our episode or our story this morning. Acts chapter 10 introduces to us a centurion. Uh, When you think of a centurion as a reader of the book of Acts, who's just gone through the way in which... Peter and Jesus' life was so similar, we think of a centurion and we think, ah, there was a centurion in Jesus' story as well. And what did he do? Uh, Obviously, maybe, you are thinking at this point, maybe a similar story uh, where Jesus, uh, how Jesus, how the centurion came to Jesus and uh, needed a servant to be healed and Jesus didn't go back to his home but he just uh, the centurion said just say the word and he'll be healed and we are thinking at this point maybe the same thing's going to happen with Peter the centurion will come uh, to Peter uh, in way back in Joppa and tell him you know Kenny, my servant is sick can you heal uh, the servant and, and Peter wouldn't have to even go there and, and the servant would be healed and that would have been an amazing story but is that what happens let's look forward and see Acts chapter 1 verses uh, Acts chapter 10 verses 1 so if you have your Bibles I would encourage you to have it with you in front uh, on your phones, on your iPads, a physical copy because you're going to go through the verses and go through the story verse by verse. Acts chapter 10 verses 1 and 2. At Caesarea uh, there was a man named Cornelius, uh, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. We are introduced to a centurion called Cornelius here. Uh, so the centurion is, is described as a devout God fearer. So, what does that make him? Is he a Jew? Is he a Christian? Uh, no. Uh, the thing is that Caesarea is almost where, way up in Samaria. It's further up from uh, Joppa as well. Further away from Jerusalem. This, unlike um, the other cities that we came, is is not such a Jewish town. Uh, there are fewer Jews. There are a lot more Romans. There are a lot more Syrians uh, in this in this town and the Jews, Jewish, the Jews are not, not, not the major uh, occupants of this town uh, and Roman religion uh, is very similar to almost like Hinduism that we have here in India where people believe in many gods um, and so for Cornelius who is we are assuming is by his name he is a Roman uh, citizen for him to adopt uh, Yahweh the Jewish God was no big deal just as another God in fact many of them would see um, These Jewish gods who came from exotic faraway lands and adopt them because uh, you know it would be so it would be so nice to see how he is doing and what what this Yahweh is doing so to adopt them as a household God wouldn't be a big thing and perhaps this is what Cornelius is doing. But it also seems like Cornelius has been doing this for a while. He has—he's really, he's really committed uh, to the Jewish God. He is really um, giving away stuff to the poor. He is serving the poor. He is praying. He is committed to this God. Uh, but he is, at this time, we can be clear that he's not a Jew, which basically means he is not circumcised or he may not be following uh, the Jewish food rules. Uh, and neither is he a Christian. But what we know is that he reveres the Jewish God and he prays to him. And maybe at this point, as the readers reading the story, or you know, for uh, for those who are reading it for the first time, uh, would think that, hey, just maybe they, now they will introduce someone sick in the house. And let's read on to see if that's what really happens. Acts chapter ten verse three. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered. Your prayers and gifts to the poor have become uh, have come as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, who is whose house is by the sea. And we are thinking, wait, what? God gives a vision to a Gentile Roman soldier, uh, but why? Uh, and this has never happened before. And why is God telling him to call Peter? This, this is a bit of a twist in the story. This is not like the story of Jesus and the centurion. Uh, and in fact, it, there doesn't seem to be any need in Cornelius' house. There's no one sick. Why is why is God telling, uh, and no one's even dead, you know, why is God telling Cornelius to call Peter to his house? What? Why does God feel that Cornelius needs Peter? And so Cornelius responds. Uh, to God and sends his servants uh, and sends a devout soldier uh, to Peter to call him to Cornelius's house. This is the opposite of the story of the centurion and Jesus. And the centurion, there the centurion went to Jesus and Jesus did have to come to uh, his house. But here the centurion sends servants to Peter uh, and tells him to come back to the centurion's house. These little details in a a narrative or a story like this tells us that something new or something different is going to happen. It's important to pay attention to these details. And as we think of our episode now and we see that the scene now shifts uh, to Peter, uh, Acts chapter 10 verses 9, uh, about noon the following day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray Uh, and he's probably at this time waiting. Uh, at Simon the Tanner's house for an appropriate time when he can leave and return back to Jerusalem, back to the familiar, back home. Uh, But God speaks to him in the most unusual way. Was then he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. The thing is, I love Peter. Uh, he's so relatable you know. I don't know about you but how many of us have really felt hungry uh, while we're kneeling down or we're sitting and we're praying in our quiet times or our prayer meetings? Uh, it's amazing in fact you must be hungry now it just connects so much uh, with Peter and the apostles were not some superheroes the apostles were just like us uh, and it's kind of uh, consoling to know that they were also hungry they also felt hungry their also stomachs growled while they were in the middle of praying to God but obviously uh, God had some other plans we'll see that in verse 11. Verse 11, he saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contains all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up Peter, kill and eat. And this is where it all starts to get crazy. Uh, This is where it all starts to not make any sense, not to Peter, not to the reader and maybe not to us. You know, Peter is looking there and he sees this this cloth of animals coming down. And there he can see the very animals that his mother has told him when he was young. Don't you dare touch those animals. Oh, that snail, don't even think about it. Oh, that pig, oh, the pork, don't even think about it. Those snakes and those lizards, please stay away from it. Those are not right. And Peter looks at that and he's almost, perhaps almost going to puke when God tells him, kill and eat. And he can't imagine. He would have been at that point. Yuck, lizards, yuck. Pigs, Uh, you know, I can't eat any of this. In fact, God, you were the one who told us not to eat. My mother drilled it deep inside my head when I was a young that I could not eat it, even though all uh, all others from different religions were able to eat it. But I could not eat it. And now you are telling me to eat it. Then the voice, surely not Lord, Peter replied, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, do not call impure what God has made clean this happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven you know peter's nickname can almost be three times peter whenever something important needs to be told uh, to peter whenever something needs to be drilled into his hard head it needs to be told not once but it needs to be told two or three times uh, peter someone who's so stuck you know like jesus says you know i do you love me peter um, do you love me peter do you love me peter and the same way god needs to tell peter three times Uh, Do not call impure what I have made clean. Do not call impure what I have made clean. Do not call impure what I have made clean. Till it kind of drills down, but Peter is still not able to understand. He's trying to figure out what is this that is happening. Uh, You know, and he's perhaps so stuck in his familiar ways, in the ways that he's grown up, the ways that he's been taught right through his entire life. Uh, And it's difficult for him to change. You know, many of us are like that you know when things we believed and we've practice uh, all our lives thinking this is how it should be done this is how church should be done this is how the homes the LGs needs to function this is how we need to baptize this is ne- how we need to break bread this is how we need to worship this is how we need to sing when we've been grown up thinking this is the only way to do it it's very difficult when suddenly circumstances change and we have to do something differently and perhaps Peter is in that state right now. The animals uh, were unclean according to the Jewish religion uh, but God was about to show Peter that he is not just God of the Jews but he is God of the whole world. The good news was not just for the Jews but for the whole world. God was preparing Peter's heart and mind to meet what he previously dismissed as unclean gods heart was always there. God was giving Peter almost like a spoiler alert for what his plans are going to be. He's, he's giving him a little easter eggs here and there. See this is what my plan is. Pay attention Peter. Listen I am doing something new. God was not just changing Peter's diet. God was changing Peter's heart. God was not changing his mission. God was changing the hearts of the agents who would be taking forward his mission because the Gentiles were always a part Of God's plan the unclean the impure were always a part of God's plan to save the world and while God was preparing Cornelius to join his family he was also preparing Peter as well because we need preparing as well our hearts need to be changed as well and before Peter could even figure out what was what he what it meant when he was faced with some new visitors Cornelius's servants and now we get to know why is it that God said wanted Peter to be there Verses 19. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, there are three men looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to them, I am the one you are looking for, why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and a God-fearing man, who is respected by all Jewish people. A holy angel told him, to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. And unlike the centurion in Jesus' story who did make Jesus come to his house, this time God wanted Peter to go there because this was a different story. God did have to heal the centurion's body, he had to heal his soul, he had to give him new birth, he had to bring up, to break alive uh, his spirit at this point. So Peter had to go there because Peter had a message that needed to be delivered in person. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10 verses 14 to 15 says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? and How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news! In the next sermon or the next episode, perhaps next Sunday in your church you will hear how this actually happens when Peter goes and visits Cornelius' house. But today the story ends here Uh, and and what can we learn from the story? I just have two points uh, for us to take back. The first point that for us, for each one of us here is that this story is a reminder that even in unfamiliar situations, God's mission to save the world continues. Even when times are changing, God never changes. He is the same God before the lockdown and He is the same God who is there during the lockdown. He is still speaking. He is still sending. He is still saving. Let that sink in. The world may be in lockdown, but God is not. Let us just allow that to remind ourselves as we look at ourselves and we don't know how many phases of lockdown are going to continue uh, as long. But what we know is that God right now, my friends, is not in lockdown. He is still working across the world. We may not be meeting people, but God is still meeting people where they are right now, through visions, through dreams, through uh, this online service that's going on right now, through your Facebook and your Instagram posts. God is meeting people and He's allowing people to come in touch with what you are posting, what you are doing in this virtual world today. And so it is a reminder for all of us that. And even in this unfamiliar situation of this lockdown, of this quarantine period, of during this pandemic that's across the entire world, we need to remember that our mission to get involved in God's mission continues. We don't stop. We don't stop no matter what if God doesn't stop neither can we. you know I know I have and I know maybe some of you have also adopted this kind of mindset uh, during this pandemic during this lockdown that we must take care of ourselves right now you know we need to ensure that you know our fridges are stocked up we need to ensure that you know our family is well taken care of we need to know that their health is well you know this whole uh, taking care of others and reaching out to them and outreach and all can be thought of uh, when we go back to normal life uh, you know right now you know chicken is so expensive uh, you know I'm thinking about that you know, you're telling me go and reach out to I'm not even in touch with my colleagues anymore I am NOT going to office so how do you want I'm not in touch with the my friends parents who I was in uh, who, who I was in touch with and sharing the gospel and reaching out I'm not in touch with any of them right now wait till this period gets over then I will start right now I just need to kind of survive through this period but my friends uh, one of the things we always need to remember that the church is one of those few organizations whose primary existence is for its non-members and not for its members. We exist as a community, as a group, at this time even more, not for ourselves but for others. And yes, it's important for us. You know, it's important that we serve the poor, and I know y'all as a church are doing that, as individuals y'all are doing that, and it's important for us to continue to reach out uh, and give uh, give ration to the poor and do all of those things, but but it's also important to give hope to the rest of the world to reach out at this time particularly uh, to remind them of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know Jesus said it perfectly when he said it's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. Imagine if you were sick, imagine if the government took the decision that we will not treat the coronavirus cases. We will first try and do health checkups for those who are healthy to check whether they are well. Uh, we'll give preference and priority to those who are healthy. No, it doesn't make sense. At this point, we need to give preference to those who are sick. We need to give priority to those who are sick. How much more do we need to help those who are emotionally, spiritually and mentally sick at this point? They need what you and I have, eternal hope, the message of hope, the message of Jesus Christ today more than ever. And if you are here watching and you, by mistake you happen to land up at this link anywhere across the world, I want to tell you, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you and he cares for you and in your circumstance right now he has a plan and a purpose for you get in touch with the members of this church I'm sure there's a contact detail below this there's a place where you can get in touch with them and you can hear about the message that Jesus died on that cross for you, for your sins so that you can have eternal life so even in the midst of all these uncertainties, in the midst of all the pain and the suffering across the entire world, you and I can have a sense of peace that God is in control and we can go not just for ourselves but continue to serve the rest of the world because of what Jesus has done for us. That's the first point. It's a reminder that God's mission continues and our involvement needs to continue as well. The second point uh, which I would like to share with you is that when God wants to do something new as we've seen in the story, when God wants to do something new, He often has to bring us out of the familiar. Uh, and we are in this unfamiliar place and it's difficult, you know, for us to rethink about how we do, how we follow Christ, how we practice our faith. It's important for us to get out of the normal way of doing church. You know, there are no masks. There's no more way of the of the familiar, of doing the same chairs to sit on, uh, the same people to meet. No, no. Things are changing and God has to bring us out first to rethink afresh. And when we get out into the unfamiliar, we often encounter the impure and the unclean like Peter did for Cornelius. And Peter saw it that way. He saw these people, uh, these foods, these animals uh, as unclean because it was something that was not something that he was not used to. And it took God three times to tell Peter, you know, you need to look at them as clean because I have made clean. I have made them clean. I am interested in these lives uh, as well. And how many lockdown phases will it take for you and me to realize and dawn down on us that God uh, has given us the words of eternal life for every single person, people who we normally are not interested in, people who we are not looking at, people who are the Corneliuses in our lives. So who is Cornelius in your life? Uh, Cornelius represents the unfamiliar. Cornelius represents the unclean and the impure person. The people who is not on the list that you have made uh, to pray for to be saved, the person uh, Cornelius is that person who you may not like. Cornelius is the drunk on the street. Cornelius is uh, the grocery man who you've never shared the gospel, who you've never spoken to and now you're meeting him so often. Cornelius is the, the person who's delivering the essential groceries. Cornelius is perhaps the petrol guy who you found out is cheating you with uh, giving you less petrol and taking money from you. Cornelius is perhaps your next door neighbor, Mr. D'Souza, uh, you know, who complained to the secretary last time you had a party at your house. Cornelius are those people who you think may not be interested in the gospel. Cornelius is that person who you may not be interested in. Cornelius is the new and the unfamiliar. Cornelius is the person who you are regularly seeing but never thought you know, God can speak to this person, God can save this person. My friends, in this new time, it's time to make a new list. In this new time, it's time to make a new list of people to pray for. Who is your Cornelius? I want to end with this story, um, which is almost a, a modern uh, uh, replication almost of the Cornelius and the Peter story that took place in my own life, in my own family's life. Some of you may be aware uh, of, the, of, my, of our family testimony, uh, but for those who are not, let me share a little bit about how uh, this, this, this fantastic and really exciting event that took place about 20 years in our life. Um, we were as growing up as children, my sister and me, and my mom and my dad, we were caught up in the web uh, of an alcoholic addiction. Uh, my dad was struggling and he was stuck up in this web. And as the years were going further, it started getting worse and worse. And uh, I remember in the year 2000, in the month of March, when it had really reached its peak, and my dad was fed up of his life. One evening, as we were sitting back at home, my mom had gone to work. She was a nurse who did night duty, so she wasn't home with us in the night. My dad suddenly got this urge to go and drink again and he left us he left us and went out um uh, to get his drink and for three days we didn't see him um, and when he returned we we got to know the story that he actually was had got himself drunk absolutely silly he was uh, and finally ended up going to jew beach uh, in the middle of the night about 12 or 1 o'clock got himself absolutely drunk and was and had thought to himself you know I am not a good father, I am not a good husband, what's the point of living? He went down on his knees that night and he called out to God and said, God, if you exist, uh, I have no idea why I live, why am I living? Uh, I'm not a good father, so if you want to save me, you do, but I am walking into the sea. And that's what he did at, at midnight with nobody there on Jew Beach. He started walking into the sea to end his life and while he uh, was walking he recalls and he tells us this story that suddenly he heard this voice this voice that was loud enough to speak to him even in that intoxicated state where god said josie uh, which is his pet name and said josie turn back and that's what he did Uh, the rest is history he came he turned back he came back home he went to sleep uh, and he woke up and he describes his feeling as he the moment he woke up it was a time when he felt as though he had never drank before, uh, he had no withdrawal symptoms. The alcohol had completely been wiped out of his life. Till today, 20 years later, he hasn't drunk a sip of alcohol. Uh, today, uh, uh, it, it, if you if, if you if you get in touch with him and you can tell you the details of the story, and it's a fascinating story to see how God worked in his life, like He spoke to Cornelius out of the blue in a vision and got him back home. But what many of us don't know about this story was uh, there was also a Peter, uh, obviously not Peter but two days after my dad came back home and um, had encountered God, a man came into our house, uh, someone who we uh, as kids had never seen before and he was, as uh, some of you know, Arun Philip, who is now in fact my father-in-law. And he came home that evening uh, and he called my dad uh, to go out with him for a coffee. Uh, For us as children, we were so happy that our dad had not drunk for two days and seeing him coming as a friend, we didn't know who he was. We thought, you know, uh, perhaps he's going to take him and he will come back drunk again. But let me tell you the story of why uh, Uncle Arun, why did Arun Philip come uh, that evening to our home? It was a few weeks before that uh, they had uh, an LG, which was quite nearby to our house. And in that LG, they were told amongst themselves to make a list of 10 new people uh, who they could pray for to see God would save them and bring them to know uh, saving knowledge of him and be added to the church. Uh, And while preparing and thinking about that list, uh, Uncle Arun, he was walking on the street one day and he happened to see my dad walking. Uh, He didn't go and meet him, but he looked at him and he knew that my dad was in a bad state. And And my dad's name was placed on his heart. And for a, and for weeks before that day, he started praying for him. He started praying for him on that list that he had made a new list of people to see get saved. He started praying for him out of the blue. Never thought of him. He In fact, he had not met him for 15 years. Um, some of you who know that, in fact, my parents were married by... Uh, Uncle Arun uh, in, in, way back in 1985 but they left the church and so for 15 years uh, he had not seen my dad and he saw him on that road and took it upon him to make him on that list and start to pray for him. Not knowing uh, that God was all was going to start to work in my dad's life and in my entire family's life. Um, and one evening, as, as uh, Uncle Arun was driving his bike past our home, the same evening, God spoke to him and told him to go turn the bike and go and visit uh, Josie. He didn't know where he lived exactly. He had a vague idea. So knowing Uncle Arun and his loud voice, he goes near our house. Uh, and suddenly we hear the sound of someone screaming, Josie, Josie! Uh, and it's Uncle Arun uh, who comes to our house. He responded to uh, God's nudge in his heart to go and visit a man who god had just encountered Uh, can you imagine just like peter and cornelius here was arun philip and josie meeting together because god had met with them separately i can't help but imagine what would have happened if uncle arun had not responded uh, to that call to that nudge of of jesus in his heart to come and turn his bike and come and visit my father Uncle Arun took uh, my dad to a coffee shop uh, spoke to him and shared the good news of Jesus to him and told him Jesus, Josie Jesus loves you come back to the church and the rest of it is history uh, for us as a family 20 years down the line God has blessed us uh, and taken us through through, through through things that we could never imagine if we continued to be in that state today I'm, I'm living my dream living here in this Bible college and teaching something that, that has always been my dream my sister um, who's doing well with her family. Uh, My parents are doing well serving in the church. We're all involved and and passionate for God uh, as a family 20 years down the line after a response, uh, a small response that God worked uh, miraculously in my dad's life and a response that Arun Philip had uh, to hear what the spirit had to say and respond and come uh, to meet my dad. There are many corneliuss there are many Jojis around you, my friends, around your family, around and now with the lockdown and, and access to technology across the world that God is leading us towards and God has placed you uh, to send you to them, not physically, but virtually, uh, maybe just through a phone call, through a message. And as as we end this morning as I want to end with the same passage that I read before from Romans chapter 10 verse 14 and it says as it is how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news maybe for us it's how beautiful are the text messages of those who bring good news how beautiful are the zoom calls how beautiful are the whatsapp calls how beautiful are the emails how beautiful are the posts of those who bring good news Uh, let's not stop being involved in God's mission even though we are in unfamiliar times even though we are in in uh, this time of quarantine, let's not stop because God has not stopped. God is still working and there are people around you right now who God has started to encounter and he wants you and me like Peter to go and share because they have to hear what we have to say. Let's not stop. Let's continue to share the good news even at this time. God bless you. Let's just pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for all that you're doing. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us the words of hope and eternal life. Thank you that through the words that you've placed in our hearts and the work that you've done in our lives, we can go confidently and share the gospel with those who are lost, Lord. And I pray, Lord, even at this time, even as we are very involved in caring for ourselves and being being, being safe and secure, help us, Lord, to, to responsibly continue to be responsible, not just as citizens uh, who are taking care of those around us for our health, but also for our spiritual and the health of our soul. Would you allow us to have encounters virtually with people uh, that we can share the gospel. Put that in our minds back again in case we've forgotten about it, Lord. Do it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Have a good day. I'm not the one